Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I have a frog in my throat that feels like a small cat. And so just picture that. But as always, we're so excited and thrilled and honored that you've decided to come and worship with us here today. And I know that I say that on a regular basis, and yet I mean it. Honestly, we've been praying at all of our campuses. We've been praying that you specifically would come. And so know that it is a huge, huge deal to us. Now, looking back, way back to elementary school, as a kid, one of my favorite memories growing up was recess. Recess. I loved recess. Why? Because I went to Cook Elementary School, and at Cook Elementary School, my friends and I, we played football at recess every single day. I mean, regardless of what was happening, regardless of the season, if it was basketball season or baseball season, regardless of what the weather was, we played football at recess every single day, and I loved it. So we put on our starter jackets, and I was usually Icky Woods or Boomer Esiason, and we thought we were pros, except for the fact that we played two-touch, but who cares, because we were awesome. Just a quick side story, at Cook Elementary School, if you got in trouble during recess, you had to immediately go inside, but the worst part was that you had to have your name written in the book, and I'm not sure why that was a bad thing, but it was a terrible, horrible thing, and I'm not even sure what book it was, but nobody wanted their names written in the book. It was like Satan's book or something. Well, one, one day, I was in fifth grade, and I was just about to become an adult that next year. I was going to go to middle school, and to that point, I had never gotten in trouble at recess, and my name was definitely not written in the book. But that day, as I was playing defense, the guy I was defending, I was covering him like a blanket, and yet somehow, some way, he still caught the ball. But as I was going to two-touch him, our legs got tangled up, and he tripped and he fell. I mean, he went down like Delvin Cook. You know what I'm saying? Sam Bradford. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater. Anyways, I'll keep going. Seriously, though, he ended up crying and crying and crying so much that the teacher noticed him crying, and all of a sudden, the teacher started walking over to us, and as soon as the teacher started walking over to us, I'm telling my buddy, I'm like, stop crying right now. Like, stop as fast as you possibly can, and I'll never forget it, because the teacher got there, and she asked, what happened? And he was crying so hard, he couldn't talk, and so all he did was point at me. The teacher said, immediately she said, Adam Weber, go inside your name is being written in the book. I was like, oh my gosh, I failed. You know, I just remember being so mad. I'm like, I'm going to kill this kid. This kid is a little baby. The worst part was, though, the kid was a pastor's kid, which at the time made me hate church even more. It's like Christians are a bunch of losers, right? But again, I love playing football at recess. That is except for one specific part. You see, each day before we actually started playing football, we first had to pick teams. And so the best two players were always the captains, which at Cook Elementary School was Eric Rice. Eric went on to be an All-American high school football player. He played college ball. And so it was Eric Rice, and it was also Chris Papowski. Uh, his family went on to start a fireworks stand, which is equally awesome in its own right, right? Okay. But anyways, Eric Rice actually attends Embrace. How awesome is, is that? Uh, and so they were captains, and then they'd start choosing one by one who they wanted on their team. And I just have to say that as a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth grader who desperately wanted to fit in, there was nothing worse than wondering and waiting, would I be chosen or not? I mean, as I stood there, it was like, was I good enough? 
and was I, I wanted and would, did I play good enough the day before and would I be picked second or would I be picked last? And each day it was like my, my worth and my identity, it all hung in the balance. And this week I thought about it. I was like, I wish I could go back because what I would say is Eric Rice Someday I will be your pastor. You'd better pick me first. Anyways, but again, there was nothing worse, nothing worse than just waiting and wondering, would I be chosen or not? Honestly, it felt like hours, but it was only a few minutes. Would I be chosen or not? And with this today, I just got to start off by asking, have you ever felt this way when it comes to life? Have you ever felt this way when it comes to life? I mean, have you ever just wondered if you are really wanted? Have you ever questioned if someone would want to choose you? Have you ever wrestled with your identity? Have you ever wrestled with your worth and who you are? And each day does it seem to change a little bit based on your job and how it's going and what your numbers look like? Does it change based on your relationship status and what it is? Does it change based on how you look in the mirror? Does it change based on how many people like you? Does it change based on how you feel about yourself at any given moment? And I don't know about anyone else, but if I'm being honest, so often this is the story of my life. And being even more honest and candid, this is the story of my week. And even being more candid, it's the story of each and every day. Again, when it comes to life, have you ever just wondered if someone would want to choose you? But one step further, have you ever felt this way when it comes to God? Okay, have you ever wondered if God would want to choose you? Have you ever questioned or felt like maybe you're not good enough for him? And before God, do you ever wondered if God loves you, if God would want anything to do with you? And when it comes to God, have you ever just wondered, again, have you ever just wondered if he... If the one who set the stars in place would want to choose you. Now today we're starting up a new series called Chosen. And these next few weeks we're going to be talking about identity. Our identity. And why we're here on this earth. But at the core of this series, we're just going to be talking about and looking at who we are. And to do so, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is a book in the Bible. And this book is actually a letter written by a guy named Peter. He's he's written this letter, and Peter's the guy who denied Jesus a few times, and then the chicken crowed. Remember him? That's that's Peter. And so again, Peter's writing this letter for a group of newer Christians to read, and over and over again throughout his letter and throughout these words, the main thing that Peter's trying to say is he's trying to remind them of their identity and who they are. Like start to finish in the book of 1 Peter, there Peter is saying over and over again, he's just trying to remind them of who they are, who they are as people. And here are the two specific verses that we're going to look at for today. These two verses are really going to be the foundation of this series as a whole. This is 1 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 9. Here is what Peter says. Peter says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Some classic verses, right? Some some really, really good stuff. And again, Peter is just reminding them over and over again of who they are. And for today, from this, we're going to keep today really, really simple and just highlight two specific truths, two important truths that are so important for us to know. And here's the first thing. Get this. The first truth is this. 
God, he picks us. He's not stuck with us. Again, God picks us. He's not stuck with us. Peter tells us you are a chosen people. You are chosen by God himself. And this word chosen can translate as picked out. One more time, God picks us. He's not stuck with us. And with this, going back to recess, again, we'd have our captains, right? And then one by one, they'd start choosing who they wanted on their team. And as I said, every time, my anxiety level went up and to the right as much as it can in a third grade kid, you know? And I just wondered, would they pick me? And would I be good enough? And was I fast enough? And could I catch the the ball well enough? And I was usually picked somewhere in the middle. I was picked like second, third, or fourth. But I always felt bad for the last one or two kids. I felt terrible for these last few kids. Because when it got to the end, instead of picking and actually wanting someone on your team, you discussed who you had to take and who you had to be stuck with. And looking back, honestly, this week, for those last few kids, it honestly had to suck. And yet again, switching to us, and maybe I'm the only one, but so often this is the same exact way that we feel in life as a whole, isn't it? In life as a whole, but also when it comes to God. I mean, so often, I don't know about you, but so often I wonder who would want me. Like, I'm not nearly as successful as they are, and so we stop trying. And who would want me? I'm not nearly as attractive as they are, and so we settle or we start giving our bodies away. And who would want me? I'm not nearly as gifted, nearly as fun, as popular. I'm not nearly as well-liked by others. And with God, it's like I've just made too many mistakes, and I'm just too broken. I'm too jacked up. I'm not good enough, perfect enough, religious enough, and I just keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and why would he want anything to do with me? But back to the honest truth one more time. Hear this. God, he picks us. Here's the truth. He picks us. He's not stuck with us. God, he picks us. He's not, he's not stuck with us. And even further, he not only picks us, but he seeks us and he pursues us and he invites us and he says, come and follow me. And speaking of enough, I heard you just mention enough. Speaking of enough, he loves us enough that he's willing to die on a cross for us. Again, our God picks us. He's not stuck with us. And who are we? Who are we? We are chosen by God. We're chosen by God. The one who created the heavens and earth. The one who set the stars in place were chosen by him. That's who we are. Again, God picks us. He picks us. He's not stuck with us. So that's the first truth from these verses. And then here's the second thing. And again, it's really, really simple. It's the basic truth that we are his, not our own. Again, we are his, not our own. Once more, Peter tells us you are a chosen people, God's very own possession Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once more, you are God's very own possession. Again, we are his, not our own. What does this mean, right? It just means that everything we have and everything we are comes from him. It's all his. And so with our career and our position and our talents, it's all his. And that's why we should constantly ask, God, how can we use all of this for you? And with our money and the things that we own, again, it's all his. And this is where tithing comes in, giving back to God a portion of what he's given us, using what we have for him, not ourselves, to further his kingdom, not our own. And with our decisions and our priorities and our lives as a whole, it is all his. 
And that's why the moment that we start following Jesus, we surrender our very lives before him and we declare, Lord, here is my life. Take all of it, it's yours. Every part of it, it's yours. I wanna follow you, not myself. I wanna listen to you and what you have to say, not myself. One more time, we are his. We are his, not our own. Again, everything we have and everything we are comes from him, which hear this, this means everything. Everything, including our identity, our purpose, and and our reason for being here on this earth, it all comes from him. Again, Peter tells us once you had no identity, once you had no identity, but now you are God's people. Again, everything we have, even our identity, who we are, comes from him. And so often this is where we get it all wrong, right? Because we believe the lie that our identity comes from our job and what we do. And so it changes based on our job. And once again, our identity, it only comes from him. And we're convinced that our identity comes from who we know and who knows us. And our status and our income level, even good things like our family, when once again, it only comes from him. And the world tells us that our identity comes from from our appearance. It comes from our appearance and how we look. Our skin color, our platform, the size of our house, when once again, it only comes from him. And we're so sure that our identity comes from what we have and haven't done. Our success and our failures, our past, both good and bad, when one last time, everything. And I mean everything, it only comes from him. And what does he have to say about us? Well, God speaks to us and he says, I see you. And I not only love you, but I like you. And I delight in you and I sing over you and who you are. And I just want to be with you and I just want to have a relationship with you. Again, our identity Our purpose, our value, it all comes from him. One more time, we are his, not our own. His, not our own, we are chosen. We're chosen by God. This is powerful stuff, right? And this week, I just kept thinking about how our lives and everything about us would dramatically and drastically change if we knew in here these two simple truths. God picks us, he's not stuck with us, and we are his, not our own. I mean, instead of constantly running and constantly striving to find our worth and our identity, what would change if we truly knew that we are chosen by God? I mean, instead of trying to be good enough and smart enough and liked enough and successful enough and have enough money, nice, nice things, clothes, enough Twitter followers, I mean, even when it comes to God, instead of striving to be good enough for him, What would change if we knew who we are, and even more specific, if we knew whose we are? The truth is we'll never know who we are until we first know whose we are. Again, these two truths are so simple, right? Yet similar to what we just said, everything around us is trying to convince us everything otherwise. Everything around us is trying to convince us otherwise. I mean, everything around us is trying to convince us that our identity is found in enough being good enough, successful enough, pretty enough, whatever enough in the world, and everything around us is trying to convince us to find our identity and our purpose every place except from God. And yet going back to Peter and him writing this letter called First Peter, he's writing this letter to these new Christians. Why? Because they're being persecuted and literally killed because they're identifying with Jesus. 
That's why he's writing this letter, because they're being persecuted and literally are losing their lives because they are identifying with Jesus. I mean, if there was ever a time that you would be tempted to walk away from God, to not identify with the Lord himself, it would be this time, right? Possibly losing your life. And that's why Peter's writing this letter, just to remind them of who they are. They're chosen by God. That God picks you, he's not stuck with you. You are his, not your own. Again, Peter's just reminding them. And I know for myself, I know that I constantly, constantly need to be reminded of these truths myself. Like I've been following Jesus for 18 years now, and yet I still need to hear these two simple truths on a daily basis. I mean, I'm so quick to go searching for my identity apart from God. Where in my job? I am so quick, I'm confessing before you, I am so quick as your pastor to go searching for my identity apart from God, where? In the approval of others. I am so quick to go searching for my worth, my value apart from God, literally any place that I can possibly find it. It's crazy. It's crazy, like I'm embarrassed to say how much time and even think about how time, much time and energy I waste in a week trying to find my worth in and from others. Well, my, my worth, it only comes from him. And if I'm honest, each morning when I wake up, unconsciously, one of the very first things I do is I immediately, immediately be, go searching. I just go striving to find my, my identity, my worth. As any human being, I just so long to be noticed. As any human being, I just long to be picked. As any human being, I so badly want to be enough when, again, everything I'm searching for, everything we're searching for is only found in him. And so again, God, he chooses us, which is truly wonderful, right? And with this today, really the only question that's left is will we choose him? Again, God has chosen us, will we choose him? Will we decide to follow him? We choose to make him the basis and the foundation of everything we are. And just to be clear, choosing Jesus is a daily decision. There's the initial time where we surrender to God and he makes us new from the inside out, but it's really deciding to daily choose him. Just getting to the place where it's like, Jesus, today, I want to find my worth, my value, my identity in you. Jesus, today, would you help me to realize that you choose me? You're not stuck with me. Instead, you choose me. Lord, would you help me to realize that everything I have and everything I am is yours. That should change everything, God. Everything I am, it's yours. I am yours, not my own. Jesus, today and every day, I choose you. Again, help me to find my worth, my identity, my purpose, and you and you alone, because I am yours, not my own. So again, the question, God chooses us, will we choose him? I want to say that, but I also today just want to mention one specific thing. Next Sunday, we're going to be doing some baptisms at all of our campuses. And I just want to say, if you've never been baptized before or you were baptized as an infant and you want to reaffirm it now as an adult, I cannot think of a better time to do so than next week. Just over this, this past month, we've just been seeing God move in some awesome, awesome ways. Not ways that are like numbers and look at this, look at that, but instead in ways where hearts and lives are being changed. Honestly, the only things that you dream about hearing as a pastor is what we're seeing right now. And so I just want to say, if during the Heart on Fire series that we had last, last month, 
if during that series you just know God was moving inside you and you just sensed a fire going inside of you or at all of our campuses, if you were at the men's event last weekend and you were one of the guys who honestly, when, when Perry said stand up, I, I turned around, I did peek a little bit, I'll just confess that. I thought there'd be one person standing and said half the room was standing. If you were one of those men who stood up or last week as Perry was praying, again, at all of our campuses, if you were the one of the people that just raised your hand and just said, I just want to get past my past. I just want to move forward. Again, if, if that's you, if you just know God is moving in you and you're wanting to recommit your life, if you're wanting to go to a deeper place in your relationship with Jesus, if you're wanting to make this decision, I cannot say it strongly enough to do so. Baptism is simply an outward sign of what's taking place in the heart. It's a symbol of us choosing God, but more importantly, him choosing us. And so if you're wanting to be baptized, all you need to do is mark it on your connection card. It's just at the bottom of your bulletin, just mark it on the connection card that you want to get baptized, and we'll get you more information. We'll have the cattle tanks, the cleanest they've ever been. We'll make sure we shine and buff them. They will look fantastic, all right? Now, closing things up today, though, it's kind of random to share, but if you know me well, you know that one of the things I'm extremely passionate about is adoption. My, my sister is South Korean, and my second son, Wilson, is Ethiopian. And I have known literally since I was eight years old that I was going to adopt a child at some point. Stronger than my call to ministry, as an eight-year-old, I knew it was something I wanted to do myself when my sister came home. Again, I'm, I'm just passionate about adoption. And as, as a side note, one of the things that I've prayed for Embrace before we were even created is that Embrace would become a church that was known for adoption. That we'd just be a church that was known for adoption and caring for single moms. That we wouldn't have programs. Instead, it would just happen. Like people would just say, gosh, in the Bible it says care for widows and orphans. We should maybe do that and that we'd just do that. And it's been awesome to see in adoption, foster parenting, just people going out of their way to help single moms. It's been incredible. So I want to say that. But one of the things that can be hard for, for a person who has been adopted is around their identity and also something called attachment. Just trying to figure out who they are as a person. I mean, my son is African-American and I'm as white as they come. And so who does that make him? You know, just trying to process that as four or five-year-old, just like, who am I, you know? My dad's white and I'm not white. Like, what does that make me? And also just learning the basic trust that a parent isn't going to leave. Just that basic trust that all of us have when we're laid on our mom. That basic trust that as a parent, I love you and, and I'm not going to abandon you. Rationally, out of my four kids, if there's anyone that should feel loved, it's rationally my son Wilson. I mean, we actually chose him. We actually could have decided if we want to, to not pick him with, or with our other three kids. There wasn't really an option. I mean, we could have just kind of pushed them back inside, if you know what I'm saying. Might have, got, might have got slapped by my wife, but just like, oh, no, I'm not really interested. In <laughs> but, but with my sister when she was younger, and also with my son right now, I can, I can just see this unconscious question that he's asking, both Beck and I. Just this constant question that he's asking is this, do you still love me? I mean, from the moment he wakes up, I can see his soul asking this question, do you still love me? 
do you still want me? And if I screw up and if I make a mistake and if I embarrass you, will you still love me? And if you could do it all over again, would you still choose me? So this question, you need to see it. And often before he even asks the question, we'll say it. I'll just say it, Wilson, I love you so much. I'm so proud to be your dad. The other night at flag football afterwards, I'm like, I am so proud to be your dad, buddy. Man, I'm so glad to be your dad. I can't believe that God chose me to be your dad. Again, it's just this constant question that he's asking. But switching to us and God, I truly believe moment to moment, we're asking God the same basic question ourselves from the core of who we are. We're just asking that question, God, do you still love me? God, do you still want me? Even if I make a mistake, even if I screw up, even if I do the same sin that no one knows about, but I've told you over and over and over again, I'm not going to do it and I do it, we still want me. And if you could do it all over again, God, would you still choose me? Again, it's just this question that we're asking like from a pit of our soul, we wake up and we're just asking this question. When the truth is, hear this, our God is unchanging. His love endures forever. He is forever faithful. He is faithful from one generation to the next. And even at our worst, he still chooses us. Even at our worst, he's, when we're sinners, he's still willing to die for us one more time. God picks us. He's not stuck with us. We are his, not our own. And here, this is the best part. We are chosen by God himself. He picks us, he chooses us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, God, this message I, I know could be seen as an elementary type of message, but if that's the truth, God, I'm elementary because I'm, I'm a grown man. I've been following you for 18 years. And yet today, more than any other day, I so badly need to hear these two truths that you pick us, you're not stuck with us, that we are yours, not our own. God, today, would you just, at all of our campuses, just come and speak into our soul, even to the hardest of hearts, maybe even someone who here, who's here who's been abandoned, who's been cheated on, who's been left. The hardest of heart, God, would you come today and just at the pit of who we are, would you just speak the words, I choose you. I choose you, my son, my daughter. I pick you. And I just think about what would change if we just knew, not in our, in our head, but in our, our soul, that truth. The moment our identity is questioned at work when we fail, when our relationship, we're single again, we're divorced, God. Well, the moment we don't look great, great in the mirror, the moment we wake up and we feel like crap about our, ourselves, we just run back to that truth that we are chosen by God. We're sons and daughters of the great king. God, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.